1: time for batter up the
2: definitive atlanta braves podcast with host joe patrick and caleb johnson giving you exclusive insight into our braves from sports radio 92.9 the game here's joe and caleb
3: welcome into batter up on this monday april the 4th or april 11th i should say you know that's what i get joe we start off already on the wrong foot uh, just like the Braves kind of did this week, there we I, I a little segue and that's right, that's yeah, right. Caleb Johnson in with my co-host Joe Patrick. We forgot have, to change
2: that on the sheet on the show sheet. <laughs> yeah,
3: but we so we we've had a series of games, Joe. Some things that we can look at, some things that we can overreact to, and I plan to do plenty of that. And I'm sure there's plenty of Braves fans out there overreacting to what they've seen in in this first uh, few games. On, on on the overreaction front, it was really funny. After Max Fried's
2: first start, you know, after opening night, they lost the game. And <laughs> it's like an awkward, very awkward time for baseball writers, especially just like the, the straight-up beat writers and stuff who are trying to just talk about the game as much as possible and just trying to to extrapolate anything they can from it when you know people in baseball are very much long-termists and never want to take too much away from one particular situation or one particular game and yet it was all we had it was all we had to react to it was just that one singular game so it was very awkward for brian snicker and some of the players to to talk about it and to the point where uh, MLB.com's Mark Bowman, uh, famous Braves reporter, when Freed was up there at the podium, Bo had to be like, "Listen, Max, all all we have to talk about is tonight." So, and Max was like, "I get it, I get
3: it." Yeah. That's what I was about to say. You mean Brian Snicker didn't love the fact that you guys were trying to extrapolate, you know, real in depth right. things from from just a single yeah. game? Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. No, that's... And- go ahead. Yeah, well, yeah, and, and Snit's like the classic guy
2: who's just never going to take Absolutely anything not. away from a game, basically. <laughs> unless no. Sean Newcomb like walks three or four people, then he'll, you know, he'll take away a lot from that. But uh no, it was it was overall, you know, it was it was it's it was great to just be back in the stadium. You know, the first time you walk into the park, you kind of reflect on last season, the success, and just and it's not so much. It, it, you know, I was thinking about this. And I think I'm gonna write a little bit about it about you know, winning a World Series or winning a championship in any sport, especially as a fan, where you weren't actually part of the achievement, it's not its not like winning the ring, like lifting the pennant in and of itself is some monumental thing that you remember for the rest of your life. What you remember for the rest of your life is where you were when you were watching it or where you were experiencing it, so if that was in the stadium, if you were watching on TV with friends or family or whatever. And then when... The next baseball season comes around that's where the beauty of winning the championship really lies it's in like just being able to reflect on those moments and being able to kind of relive some of that excitement that you had during that time and i i felt like i could see it on fans faces and stuff it was because i know i felt it too so um it was just great to be back in truist park um and hope we get to relive it all again
3: yeah well no, i was you you're right though i i was a fan on thursday I went – me and my wife went together, and I – it had been long enough that walking, you know, walking through the turnstiles and mm-hmm. all the hustle and bustle and everything, like, all of that, you just started to feel like, oh, man, this is – you know, this is fun to mm-hmm. be back. And then you want to talk about reminding you or, or you end up remembering where you were or what was going through your mind. It was the, the like, tribute videos that they had before they mm, introduced yeah. the teams – Those were great. Yeah, Yeah. that that remind you of oh, that's right. That did happen in that game in that moment that led them from the Brewers to the Dodgers to the Astros. You know, to winning a World Series. All of that. Uh, It 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 just it felt special again. I'm very interested to get your thoughts real quick on because I only went to opening day and I I'll be in there again tonight because I want to go get the replica World Series ring, because, (laughs) man, those World Series rings look incredible. Oh, man. They they have done a lot to put a lot of detail and attention on that. Uh, What was it like, though, seeing the players, like, Games 2, Games 3, that sort of thing, as they've tried to spread out this into a weekend? And I get, like, the Braves are spreading this out into a weekend because they want to fill the stands of (laughs) people... I'm going to go to this game to see this moment for this thing. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And I'm going to go to this yeah. night. That's why they, they released the the rings on what was it? Saturday. Mm-hmm. Uh, so what was it like to see the players as they are spreading this out over like multiple days? Yeah. You know, I, you, what,
2: one thing that struck me, which w- was, uh, when we were there for opening night, um, opening day, opening night, whatever you want to call it. They, you know, um, snit and some of the players were asked about these celebrations, the ceremonies and like, whether it actually affects you on the field and stuff, or, you know, how much do you actually want to kind of be in that moment versus, you know, being in the mind frame of playing a game and competing and being a competitor and wanting to win. And I thought it was interesting. I didn't kind of, didn't expect this, but you know, snit kind of led the team in this way. And he was like, no, I, I want them to really enjoy it. And just like, and, and, Reflect and be reflectful You know, reflecting and and remembering back and all that stuff, all the kind of sentimental stuff. I I would have thought maybe he would have been a more of a hardliner of like you know don't don't get too distracted. Yeah. you know, keep your keep your mind on the game. That's how it, my, my dad would have been. Yeah, but. it's
3: well, it sounds it sounds so anti Nick Saban and anti bill yeah, exactly Belichick who are like exactly. it's a new year you haven't earned anything exactly. Uh, exactly. But I I think I do understand a bit of that thought process of like. Do you, you see how good this feels don't yeah. you want to feel that next year this time yeah. again you know getting a new ring getting a new banner getting a new whatever it is i, I know matt Olson kind of talked a little bit about the fact of he loved getting a front row seat to being able mm-hmm. to watch all of this stuff and like this is what i want to achieve and so mm-hmm. you know this is a good uh visualization uh, of all of that so that's I uh, you know I like Snit for the fact that he's, he's thinking that way. And and now that I think about it, you know,
2: that's probably what makes Snit such a great manager, you know? Because, like, yes, a, manager, a baseball manager has to make decisions on who you're going to bring out of the bullpen, how you're going to set the lineup, you know, all these things. And those things are definitely important for sure. But honestly, like, one of the big jobs of a manager that only a manager can really control because, you know, an ass- assistant and... People can provide input that helps make those other decisions I was just talking about better. But something that those people can't do for a manager is help set the tenor of the clubhouse and the mood of the team. And I think that Snicker kind of allowing these guys like, yeah, just like enjoy it. You know, this only happens once in your life, probably. We hope it happens more, but, <laughs> yeah. I'm you know, like, <laughs> um you know, so so enjoy it, you know, and and he's not an overbearing figure in that respect. And I think that that just continues in the tradition of like a guy like Bobby Cox, who I think would would say the same thing. While Bobby Cox was definitely, uh, you know, never one to see somebody dogging it on the field or anything. And neither does Snit, of course. Um, and we've seen him kind of, you know, have moments with with players in those situations he's also you know he wants these guys to to really enjoy what they accomplished last year and i think that that's a sign of a guy who has a really good feel for this clubhouse
3: well joe with you talking about snit being a guy who is you know doesn't want to see anybody you know showboating or or doing to uh you know play the game the right way all of those sorts of things there is something that we do need to talk about that we thought opening day was going to be all on the Braves World Series and, you know, celebrations and all of this sorts of stuff. The lineup, I mean, the the um, the team was already set to the 40-man roster. We already knew who was going to be there. There was no surprises when we saw William Contreras and when we saw Spencer Schreider, and we saw Darren O'Day. All of those weren't shocking. What was shocking was the fact of the night before opening day, we have – Ronald Acuna Jr. doing an Instagram live with uh, – I don't know who the guy was, who he was doing this Instagram live with. But he was being interviewed and and being very honest and being very genuine. He was also – he's speak, speaking in his native tongue. He's speaking in Spanish. Uh, so when it all comes out on social media, we're all hearing – People who have have quote unquote translated. I and it's one of those situations. It's a very uncomfortable thing for me as a person who took high school Spanish and a couple years of college Spanish and barely skated by. (laughs) Uh, And, you know, I am I should do better about knowing other languages. I just haven't. So when I find out that this information is out there, it's not like I'm going to go check the tape and be like, well, this is what Ronald Acuna really said in Mm. those details. He says he and Freddie Freeman didn't get along necessarily, uh, that Freddie was a guy who often kind of uh, felt like he needed to put him in his place. There was a situation where where Ronald was wearing eye black and Freddie Freeman came with a towel and wiped off the eye black. Uh, and so Ronald kind of ends this conversation of Freddie Freeman saying – Ah, uh, this is not you. Know, you know, why would I miss a guy on another team? Like he plays for the he's the opposition now. Mm. It just seemed so strange, so out of the blue. Uh, and then everyone and their mother had an opinion on this one.
2: <laughs> it was so funny, Caleb, because you sent me the text. I hadn't seen it, and you sent me a text about this. When was that? It was it was like pretty late Wednesday night. It yeah. was like oh yeah, was, you know. Probably 11 p.m. or something exactly. i don't know when it kind of officially broke
3: out over the internet well and it hit um, it hit reddit first and that okay. was that was what i sent to you Is i was like okay this is on twitter it came from reddit so
0: that's take, right take that's it right. for
3: what it is i have no idea if this is real and my thought when i saw
2: it was like huh well imagine that i <laughs> yeah. like went to bed or whatever to wake up to like It was just like the most salacious, uh, you know, dramatic story I've ever seen in my life. Like, it was just crazy how much that exploded. And, you know, there's a lot you could take away from it. Um, One thing I think that it clearly shows is that Ronald Acuna Jr. maybe doesn't have like this. let, Let me put it this way. A lot of Braves fans have like had what have have had what they feel like is like a relationship with Freddie Freeman for like. 10 or 12 years, you know, however long he's been with the Braves. Sure. And Ronald Acuna Jr. has a, had a relationship with Freddie Freeman of like three years, you know, and uh, and just like does not have the same kind of connection with him as a lot of Braves fans do. And that instant, I think it, it's important to say that the instance about the I black thing, that happened in 2018, Ronald Ron Acuna's rookie year, um, when he was – 21 or 22 you know new to the team so you know to me it was just not really that big of a story I certainly understand why it blew up partially because we didn't have any baseball games to talk about while at the same time it was opening day so baseball was at the top of everybody's mind and it was wild Caleb being in the uh you know first of all it was my first time going back into any professional team's locker room slash clubhouse since the pandemic and it was like a beeline for Ronald Acuna's locker. Um, and to the point where I, I was like, we basically like, uh, had to, uh, invaded Ozzie Albee's locker space where he had to like, get out of there. I was like standing right in front of his locker. And, um, and Tyler Matzik was like standing in the background going like, put out the fire, put out the fire, <laughs> <laughs> like just having a total joke about it. The whole yeah. team thing knows that this is just like this crazy fan driven, overblown thing. And um but and Ronald didn't really change his story. He kind said, like, I think he was kind of trying to like misunderstand the questions and not really kind of answer some of the questions super directly, but he certainly didn't go back on anything he said
3: as far as I can tell. And, you know, I just, I just hope the story's over, but well, I think there are some things that I kind of wanted to dissect about it is just the fact of, I heard on the one hand, people talking about, Hey, you know, this just further proves that you don't always like your coworkers. Sure. Completely understandable. Absolutely. You know, I, I mean, me and Caleb don't like I, each uh, other, uh, for, just, for example. Just, yeah. but, but no, legitimately, like, but I don't like everyone at our radio stations. It's not like I dislike anyone, but. Wow. Wow. Hey. It's the, <laughs> I know. You know it's the, <laughs> you're, not, you're not friends. You're yeah. not friends. with Like, you don't hang out in your free time with all your coworkers. No. Yeah. um, You know, I mean, Mike Bell isn't inviting me to Las Vegas with him. It's just, you know, it's it, it is what it is. But I think the problem that I had with with all of this coming out is Ronald Acuna kinda did two things. Uh A, he made this a story. It did not have to be a story. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was asked about are you going to miss Freddie Freeman? Could have made that pretty brief. Lie. And Lie. yeah. It well, was <laughs> just say yeah. Or 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 he could just say like If he had just said the ending part of, like, Freddy's the opposition now, why would I miss the opposition? I'd be like, okay, I see you. All right. Dog mentality. (laughs) I got it, you know. Um, You know, uh, um, it would make sense. And I think the fact that he peppered in all of the other stuff Mm -hmm. was Ronald Acuna getting some stuff off of his chest. Probably. Um, And I think part of this is also I love Ronald Acuna Jr., I also recognize he is not the most mature individual. Mm -hmm. Um, It's shown up to be a problem in the past where there was things, you know, about him not running to first base. There's been the things about, um, you know, maybe his style of play. It's so kid-like because he loves the game that the, the, like, realities that you have to also deal with in the game – that maybe he's not so concerned about that when it comes to you know injuries and things of that nature like he's putting it all out on the field he is what we love about athletes you know guys truly playing for the love of the game it comes into his contract when you look at his contract and go that's not a guy you know that's a guy who said give sure i'll take that money and like mm-hmm. i'm i'm here to play um but he also like the he's shown at times to be not the most mature person um which is potentially why some of these things came up with freddie freeman uh it also concerned me the fact that like grown man to grown man i want you to tell me hey you know in the braves organization because i know freddie freeman was asked about this and he was like well you don't cover the a you know so no one wears sunglasses over the a uh, no one is supposed to wear eye black beyond just stripes, like you can't cover your face. Apparently, that's a Braves rule. Um, but if that is the case, then tell me man to man, don't come up and wipe my face off with a towel sort of stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's it, it's just it was it was a tiny glimpse into learning how people interact with each other. Um, and maybe and I, I said this. I think it's also this whole situation with Freddie Freeman and his decision to go to the Dodgers and all of the other information that's coming out. It's kind of making us realize that he is a human being and not this golden child that Braves fans had, had kind of put him on this pedestal. And now he's kind of falling back down to earth. And I think it's a, a lot for, for Bray's fans to take in. And so everyone is trying to kind of have an opinion about the matter.
2: Yeah, you know what's funny is uh, I think that with Ronald kind of divulging some of these details, it actually fits the priors that a lot of Bray's fans had, which was that like maybe they don't care for each other yeah. a ton. You know, like we'd seen Freddie at times during Ronald's career, which has been action-packed through, you know, only, you know, less than a handful of years so far, Um, you know, maybe not like kind of like come to his defense during some of the times when he's been in the firing line for some things, whether Acuna caused them or not. Um, obviously one of them that there was a screenshot that I think one of one of your buddies had, had, had snapped that you sent me was, uh, when Acuna got hit against the Marlins, uh, and Freddie was just like very nonchalantly standing there, just like not
3: participating. Yeah. He's in the background, like leaning against his bat, just like, yeah, while the rest of
2: the team's kind of out there. Yeah. Um. And there was also an instance – I guess it was – so there was the instance where he didn't run out of the batter's box in a game against the Giants in 2019, and Freddie kind of took him to task after that game, saying that, like, that's not what we do, et cetera, et cetera. And then there was a similar incident in that playoff series against the Cardinals um, where he didn't run out – or he was slow out of the box, I think he got a double or something. I forget exactly what happened in that situation. And, you know, Freddie was just, like, not kind of – Strongly defending, I guess, uh, yeah. Acuna, which you don't have to, I guess, in that respect. But um, I don't know. I, I guess all this to say is that I don't think like a lot of Braves fans were necessarily shocked to hear about this. It was almost like it was more shocking for national media. And um, it was almost like more of a surprise for a lot of people in the national media that helped really amplify the story in and of itself. Um, and in it, and it your locally.
3: Yeah, it did one thing it it did. If you were looking for a reason to hate Freddie Freeman even more like this <laughs> gave you your fuel. You know, mm-hmm. it's one of those. If, if you were a Braves fan who was looking to be excited about the future, be excited about Matt Olsen and also needed felt that you needed a reason to dislike this guy. You got your fuel. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so I think that that has worked for a lot of people. And then there are plenty of people who this didn't change too much of their opinion. And they looked at it as that, uh, you know, there are there. I mean, there's realistic barriers why Freddie Freeman and Ronald Acuna wouldn't be best buds sure, quite, quite literally language being one of them. <laughs> yeah. You know? yeah. And, yep. and, no and, doubt. And so I think it was it was just like you said, it was just the shock of hey not only were they best buds but maybe they weren't the biggest fans of each other yeah. um yeah and, and,
2: i, I got to say credit to Freddie for like taking the high road in yeah, the situation he didn't he, he, road road he did yeah. <laughs> yeah he uh, i know it's kind of funny like nobody After all this, nobody, like, questioned uh, Freddie, like, wiping somebody else's face with a (laughs) ring. But uh, anyway, but but Freddie was gracious, even after hearing what Ronald said. This was actually after Ronald had the follow-up interview in the clubhouse, which I was talking about earlier. Then, of course, Freddie Freeman went on with MLB Network and had nice things to say about Ronald and everything, which is good for him. And I would say, to the point you were making about language, helps a lot to be the person in this situation who speaks English natively and kind of, like, understands just like how to like inflect in your language and stuff and just like ways to diffuse a situation where I think Ronald is just like as a non-English speaker, he's, he's essentially just trying to like respond to questions, like answer questions, I think as earnestly as he can, but it doesn't like come off with the same kind of sincerity and and that kind of stuff that you, that it would if you natively spoke the language and could kind of express yourself in that way. Sure.
3: Well, I want to get into Freddie Freeman's replacement and Matt yes, Olson, we should. Uh, yes. because we talked earlier. There's plenty of things to overreact. Uh, I want to get into the good things to overreact of this first opening weekend because there's quite a few and there's some things you can get like really excited about. Uh, I know it, it makes me think going, going even a week ago when we were making some predictions about how we – could see the season playing out. I'm already watching some of those predictions like, yeah, I'm going to be really wrong about that. Or, ah, this might actually turn out pretty well. Um, I have been not slow. Like, I don't want to say, I don't think Matt Olson's going to be a good player. I just expected him to have a slow start. There's a lot of pressure on Matt Olson replacing mm-hmm. Freddie Freeman, being back home, all of that stuff. We talked about it before. Uh, but, He's doing pretty well with the pressure, Joe. Yeah. Uh Dave O'Brien, him. Yeah, Dave O'Brien tweeted out that Matt Olson is tied for Major League Baseball hits with 8 uh and he had those in three straight games. So, you know, nice little stretch there. Also, he I think the home run that he hit was like the hardest hit ball cuz uh Hunter Green who was making his first start uh through like 101 on the yeah. pitch that he hit like it's just yeah. it, insanity
2: it's like the fastest pitch hit by a Braves, fastest pitch hit for a homer by a Braves player uh, or one of the top three fastest in so many years so yeah great great start for for olsen and i was a little worried because in it, the the game where he didn't have the hit was in the opening night yeah. which you would have liked to see him get off the get off the mark there but yeah i think it was even that night that he hit a ball super hard it just went right it went to the warning track and i think everybody was stunned that it didn't leave the park. And I got to say, Caleb, it was really noticeable being in the stadium. And I, you were, you would have seen it, too. Just like how the ball was not flying. Um, dying. Like we've seen it fly. It yeah. was
3: dying.
2: Yeah. And now, yeah. I
3: mean, uh, wind was definitely a factor in that game mm-hmm. as someone mm-hmm. who was on the upper deck. Uh, and he became <laughs> very cold and who had a wife who became very <laughs> cold uh, at about the, I don't know, whenever the sun went down. Is when it became, you know, it was it was very windy, got very cold, and so I wasn't that surprised at uh, at how balls were dying. But also in the back of my mind, I'm still going, hmm, what is Major League Baseball doing with the baseball? You know, like what, yeah, I know exactly. <laughs> they, they, they toyed with it last year. What are they doing yeah. now? And I think the cold
2: probably does affect you know the flight of the ball. I know it doesn't golf, um, although it didn't really seem like it was pretty chilly during the World Series last year in the game. In the balls were. Still flying. I don't know. I'm, I, I have no idea why, but the ball was definitely not flying, which actually makes Austin Riley's homer in game one like all the more impressive. The fact yeah. he like that thing was not even close to being out in inside the park. park. Yeah. yeah, it was way gone. Well, um, in that weather, yeah. And I was well, just, I can, I, can I, I just want to wrap on Olson real quick, which is that it was really impressive to see for me at least to see him using all fields and especially hitting the ball out to center field. I was very much the impression that he was going to be much more just kind of hook pulling everything and they do have a shift on him and and everything. But uh, I just, I was just really impressed with them.
3: Well, I was just going to say when it came to that first game, it was so funny because I got a text uh, from a family member after that one who was like, what's going on? You know, what's going on with this team? Like I already (laughs) lose in game one. (laughs) Uh, And I had this moment of like, I, I honestly, I broke it down. And uh, someone had it that night of the, like, StatCast, whatever, hardest hit balls. Like, the Braves were hitting them yes. out there. Oh, yeah. And the Reds were just dropping little bloopers that happened to fall. So it was just – I was honestly – it was an unlucky game for Max Fried and for the Braves in general just for the fact of uh, their power was there. It just – it was going into somebody's glove versus yeah. the Reds managing to to place balls. I actually
2: went back and tracked this the the following day. Um so there's a statistic called expected batting average, which to be perfectly honest, it's not like a a great metric in terms of being like totally honest. But what it does is it basically takes the velocity and angle tra- the I'm sorry, the velocity and the trajectory of the ball and has historical data for like how often those you know a, a similar a ball hit when a similar trajectory in Velocity would be hits. Um, and so that's called expected batting average. And in the opener, the Braves, and so the yeah the, the Braves had expected batting averages. these were all outs. expected batting averages of 340, 380, 400, 450, 550, 580, 610, 720. all outs. So that's kind of crazy that you would have that many. Yeah. Of course, with a stat like that, like sometimes you're going to hit into people's gloves. Um, but that's a lot. I mean, that's, that's a lot of bad luck. And Whoa. Max Reed got, he got bad luck on the other side too. They were just getting soft contact against him and it just was like falling in and he ended up with a bad line, but I don't
3: think he was that disappointed with the way he threw. Not at all. Oh, and it was so funny because then the next night you had the Braves offense showing up and it was like, mm-hmm. okay, now balls are, are actually getting, you know, not placed into gloves. They're either, you know, we've got home runs or, um, you know, guys just playing small ball and and actually scoring like the the offense showed up, and it was funny because I had this moment of like,
1: yeah, don't panic.
3: There's no no big concerns here. Every everything is kind of <laughs> fine when it came to the offensive end. And also, uh, Charlie Morton looks incredible now. Like what? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. He lo- he's like, he honestly
2: he looks he looked as good as like we ever we saw him at all last year. Yeah, like, it's just unbelievable how good he was in that game. And I think even more refreshing for fans and Brian sicker. And I think everybody's probably got to be feeling this is um, after the game, you said he just like, was not thinking about the leg at all. Wasn't feeling it at all. Just was not even crossing his mind while he was out there, which is great. It's great to know that that injury is just totally behind him. And I just continued to be amazed at a guy yeah. who <laughs> broke his leg, like a uh, four, four months ago or so five months, however long it was. And um, at age 38 is just, pitching like one of the top pitchers in all baseball velocities there spin rates there just unbelievable and he had a great quote after the game where he was because he, he had a no hitter going for a while i forget how, exactly how long he carried it but uh he said somebody asked him about it and he said quote i looked up and was like oh
3: no hits that's cool <laughs> <laughs> and that's so like that fits his personality so perfectly of just being like yeah oh, nice yeah yeah just classic and he's i mean he's just not that concerned about it you know he he
2: said one of the reasons why he's been able to come back from this leg injury is the fact that he considers every off season as less like not really it's an off season in terms of you're not playing games but it's not off season like you're not working like he he's he uses the off season as a chance to like rebuild his body that's the way he described it after that game and so for him dealing with an injury during this time was not really um a problem because that's kind of fits right back into that whole concept of like building your body up for the season so just a charlie morton is just a top professional and uh exactly the kind of veteran you would want to be leading a young talented staff he's not going he's 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 a, he's a veteran he's experienced but he's also not cocky he does, at all he doesn't <laughs> feel like n- <laughs> yeah i know you, you like laugh because it's like ridiculous to think of him like that he just doesn't he doesn't have any kind of expectations in terms of you know what he should be doing for the team or whatever so it's just really refreshing to have a guy uh like that that can pitch as well as he can
3: well and then to have it followed up the next night Kyle Wright I mean this is a guy like this is a guy who was thrown into the to the World Series and I feel like a lot of us were kind of watching the game, you know, through our uh, hands, like, you know, uh, is he (laughs) going to mess up again? Mm -hmm. Or, like, is this a guy who has confidence enough? Uh, Because – and I I saw someone saying something the other day about the fact of, oh, I think Kyle Wright has some of the best stuff in the Braves organization. And it was like, well, sure, but he couldn't locate it in the past. Mm -hmm. uh, And the confidence wasn't there. That seems to be completely changed now uh and i don't know if this is something i mean obviously well once again we're in the position of it's been one game Uh, (laughs) but kyle wright on saturday looked as good as i've seen kyle wright yeah ever you know he was in
2: like one two counts like against every batter which is awesome because usually it's the opposite where he's like gets behind and he's working from behind the count you know I, i tweeted after that game Because Will Smith was asked about it and like everybody, including the way we're talking about it right now, it's like the pretext of every conversation you have about Kyle Wright is how he's so talented, but like, (laughs) will he be able to put it together? You know, like that's the conversation about Kyle Wright every single time. And we will know that Kyle Wright has kind of solidified himself when we start talking about Kyle Wright, more like we talk about Ian Anderson or somebody, some other young pitcher who we're just talking about the performances and, you know, how good or bad they are, hopefully good, obviously, um, and not, like, with this pretext about, like, well, will he hold it together? Can he keep it together? You know, can he keep it going? Can he keep the consistency? And so that's what's going to be down to Kyle Wright. Can he maintain that consistency? And um, But I think he has a chance to do it. I mean, he certainly looks like it so far.
3: Well, let's that's, that's throw out the bad. You're, you know, we were talking about the good, and you threw out Ian Anderson's name, who was a guy that I I had hoped – the issues that we saw last season, especially towards the end of the season, were just kind of more blips than reality that we were having to deal with. And instead, Sunday's game, he doesn't even make it out of the third inning before mm-hmm. he's given up five earned. Um, or I think he got charged with five earned because some of that was Sean Newcomb, <laughs> uh, which that was that's so that's one of those like. Pitching decisions that I go, it's just the first series. It's just the first right. series. It's just the first. But but following up, uh, and and I don't know, maybe this is Snit just kind of going, let's see what we're going to get out of Sean. Um, no options on him, so they don't really have any choice to, to do anything with him. But it was just seeing Ian Anderson have the night that he did, followed up by Sean Newcomb having his brief night. Uh, Sunday was the – Even more than Thursday. Like, Thursday, I opening day, everything that happened, no sweat. Max Freed's night, no panic. Sunday gave me some panic, Joe, in the way that Ian Anderson and Sean Newcomb pitched. For the record, uh, Snit was, like, sounded pretty pleased with Newcomb.
2: Um, He gave up the big hit, that loud run, the inherited runners. Uh, And then I think he gave up some runs later. But, um for, for the record, but I'm with you. Like It was it was disappointing to see him come into that situation, and you, you hope that, obviously, a reliever gets, gets you out of that kind of jam, uh, at least without giving up so many runs, but it is what it is. For Ian, it's tough because he has pitched six innings so far in, in spring training. Um, I guess I should say he pitched six innings in spring training leading up to this start. So I think for that reason, it's understandable that he was kind of just not looking like the Ian Anderson that we know he can be. Um and he said it himself. He was like, listen, I'm I'm still trying to kind of get my delivery together here just in terms of technique and things like that. Cause he normally would have a lot more time in spring spring to to get that sorted out. He of course was dealing with a toe blister, um, yeah. which he says is healed by the way, so he's all good on that front. It's just a matter of now he's behind schedule, so he's just kind of working back up. Um but on that front, I mean, I think that maybe you hope that the the drop in velocity that he had in the game was down to just some delivery mechanics kind of not being all the way there. And that's what he said when he was asked about it. He said, he's not that concerned, um, but it was evident that the velocity overall was down. The velocity was down on the fastball and up on the changeup basically. Like there was not really, I think um, Bowman said there was like a five mile per hour difference between the two. And of course the pitches act in different ways aside from just velocity. But you still seems like you would want to have a little bit more difference in, uh, in those two pitches. So, uh, and of course the changeup is, is Ian Anderson's out pitch. And another thing that he struggled with is getting that final strike. He was getting a lot of guys to two strikes, but was not able to finish him off. And so you hope that that can start to come though. I mean, I think that what I outlined there is just something for people to keep track of, uh, as they watch Ian's next couple of starts to hopefully see him improve. Um, in that respect. And if he is improving in that respect, then I think that that's a pretty solid sign that he's just kind of getting himself back on course after a short spring.
3: Yeah. And I I mean, honestly, and it kind of feels like it, it only can go up from here. Right. Because I mean, you have a night of five walks and one strikeout and you go, it can only get better, right? (laughs) Like it has to, (laughs) especially it's based on, especially based on what we've seen out of Ian Anderson previously last season. Now the postseason. I would, know maybe put a little caveat in there um but and snit understood it too
2: snit was like listen he might need two or three more starts before we see him looking like ian
3: so and 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 ian is going to get that sean is not (laughs) now yeah yeah
2: yeah, that's right that's exactly right sean newcomb's probably pitching for his job during this month of april here
3: i would have to i'd have to imagine
2: when when rosters get cut after at the end of this month i think that like his performances this month will be very determining as to whether he's still on the roster or not. No. Uh, um, do you, I was going to say, do you want to, do you want to
3: move on? Yeah. I was, well, there's to, a guy who uh, is playing in the final year of his deal. And this yeah. is a year that he wants to play really Speak, well. Speaking so he, of making the team. Yeah. So he can get a, a nice, you know, juicy contract. Uh, and then in, is instead so far leading the major leagues in strikeouts with eight uh he had four, four strikeouts on opening day. I think he's the that's like the Golden first Golden Sombrero. Yeah, it's the uh the first time a Braves player has done that on opening day. Um wow. Yeah. Uh and of course we're talking about Dan's Bonsetters. Setting records. Yeah. Not the <laughs> kind of records that you and, and I have to imagine, like, you we, we talk about how early in the season it is, but it just doesn't matter. You don't want to um you don't want to come into the final year of your deal and you start off the year leading the major leagues in strikeouts and there's absolutely no reason for Dansby Swanson to be leading yeah. uh to be leading the league in that stat. Uh and I and I just don't know what else to add to what I've seen out of Dansby is just nothing
2: impressive. Yeah. I'm with you. I, I don't really have a lot to add, but it's just worth noting. We want we we just wanted to we wanted to point out all the people who yeah. are who are faltering during this early portion of the season. No, but you make a good point though, in that he shouldn't be he should not be striking out that much.
3: Well, Joe, with other guys who are seeming to have a a rough little start to the season, and I guess I'm more surprised by this one just based on the fact of he did have a whole season off to really rest up and and get his body ready. Uh, Well, and I won't even put it on him entirely, just his arm specifically. (laughs) Marcelo Zuna playing out in left field uh, is a clear liability for this team right now. Yeah, it was actually
2: pretty funny how like Twitter erupted after seeing him like throw a ball <laughs> in front of the outfield, which is like not necessarily like the the action that you expect to like set Twitter off. And, and but it was it was evident, like how bad that arm was. And I think it just kind of brought into focus how much of a struggle this is going to be in the outfield defensively for the Braves uh, during this first month of the season until they get back. Um, unfortunately, I think a lot of people have been asking like, well, why not put Alex Dickerson out there instead of Ozuna? Well, I don't think Alex Dickerson is much better. I mean, I think that they're the reason (laughs) they're, they're making the best with what they have, but essentially they don't have another decent defensive outfield. I mean, they have Guillermo Redia, but the bats obviously make up for, for that. It's just, it's just not a good situation until they get Ronald Acuna, Acuna Jr. back.
3: Yeah. Opening day. His throw, uh, I forget what inning it was, but um, I think it was when the Reds were going to score their first run of the game. His arm was clocked at like 76 miles an hour of his throw from left field home. (laughs) And as a fan in the stand, it was one of those moments where you're like, you know, he he gets the gather, and you're like, oh, all right, all right, throw him out, throw him out, throw him out, throw him out. Yeah. Woo. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, <laughs> rainbow ball of just like, oh, that, that looked it, like me out it there. Came, <laughs> it
2: came off as somebody, like, with a chance to throw somebody out, but then it's like they don't even try. Although he was trying, yeah. but it's just like, that's just like how weak the arm is. It's almost like he was nonchalantly just kind of chucking the ball back in. So And
3: see, and I guess, Joe, it's just one of those things where and maybe it was because like i mean he 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 didn't play last year for the obvious reasons which uh i've 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 found interesting the way that the tv broadcast team has decided to deal with that i'm not necessarily judging anyone but uh marcelo zuna was not out with an injury last year i'll say that <laughs> uh, and so it's being kind of treated like it was you know oh Dealing with an injury. Anyways, beside the point. uh, (laughs) Is the fact of in 2020, Marcelo Zuna was playing in a shortened season and the DH existed. And he was the DH. And there was a few games where he was having to play out in the field. And it must have just been the fact of um, it was so rare that we were just kind of going, ah, you know, a, a game where you have a little bit of a defensive liability out in left field. Not that big of a deal. Uh, but now when you're going, oh, we might have to do this for a month or yeah. longer. Right. Mm, all right. That's, eh, that's yes. where it's got to change. That, that's where
2: like, it just like hits you like, oh my gosh. Yeah. <laughs> it's well, this
3: bad for a month. <laughs> it, it, cause it's, it's not good. And it's also, it's cause you're going to take advantage of it for sure. Yeah, it's caused an issue in the lineup where, I mean, Joe, people were literally pulling their hair out on Sunday because you see Orlando Arcia uh, at the DH spot, mm-hmm. and it's just one of those moments where you're like, uh, I never want to see the DH hitting ninth. <laughs> like that's <laughs> yeah, just good point. that's that's never a good sign. Why? It's just never it's never a good sign when you're like, yeah, put him down there. Yeah, 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 yeah just, it was a confusing gonna, one. We got to put somebody in there, and I mean, thankfully, Arcia didn't make a, a complete fool of himself. Uh, but it just makes you uncomfortable with the, you know, we're we're we're, we're like crossing our fingers until Ronald Acuna Jr. gets back.
2: I I just thought that that was the whole point of William Contreras. I was like certain that he was going to be the DH that day well,
3: because I thought that that's why he was on the roster until we found out that Manny Pena was hurt. Right. Yeah. And that was yeah. what that was what caused William Contreras to have to be uh behind the plate, which is a position that we were like, oh, I didn't think he was going to do that anymore and like I thought the whole point was <laughs> yeah. to not have him in that role anymore. And then based on need uh which I, it's it's another one of those instances of I'm wondering did they know Manny Peña had something kind of lingering as they were heading into opening weekend? Mm. Um yeah, just a lot of. It, it, I mean, I mean, there's the added versatility you have though with a with
2: a catcher, who may not be a great defensive catcher, yeah. but at least he can do a job for a day or something if you need a replacement. So. And he
3: did, and he did, and it's it's one of those like that's a, that doesn't concern me. You know, is is, um, I I'll be concerned later on, and I think this is a point that I made last week, week before, of I'll be concerned if William Contreras starts playing, in the field. And then all of a sudden you need him for like a game or something like that, because that's one of those, you look at it from the outside and go, well, it's just a game. You know, he, he can kind of do it again, but um you get out of the habit of things and I don't know, you, you lose a game here or there, those start to add up. Uh, especially mm-hmm. when Joe, you look at the division right now, I'm not panicking at all, <laughs> uh, but you just, you see, you're like, oh, okay, the Mets are actually playing pretty good this first series can't read too much into it um but it's just once again it's another one of those like something to keep an eye on um as as we're we're now finally branching out of of the opening series
2: caleb i'm going to surprise you with some mid podcast episode trivia oh when was the last year that
3: uh, the braves won on opening day the last year the braves won on opening day i mean i have to imagine it's been a long time because i feel like that's often been the conversation about the braves it wouldn't surprise me either i mean i would like...
2: say i would say it's been a long time considering you have basically a 50 50 chance of <laughs> of winning on any particular year
3: yeah but i also i guess that's just kind of been like i don't know a thing thrown around this team uh i don't know is it one of those bad teams like 2015 or 2016
2: not that old but 2018 and they've 2018. only won once since 2015 so that, that's the only okay. time they done like it was 2018 and then the last time before that was 2015 so they don't typically win on opening day yeah. there you go there, there's your, there's your there's the end of the uh mid-podcast trivia <laughs> i just thought that was interesting yeah. it was it was funny because you met you mentioned the start to the season and it's like well the braves typically get swept in the opening
3: series
2: yeah. like they did last year so because well,
3: uh, we talked maybe about- a,
2: maybe a split who knows we could win 110 games this year yeah <laughs>
3: Well, we talked about before, you know, usually playing like cold Philadelphia, yeah, yeah. or you know, something weird, or or Washington, or something of that nature. Yeah. Uh, so it's it's never anything to get too concerned about. Of course, there there have been those moments um, of slight panic of the bullpen, and you have Kenley Jansen um, making it real close. Was that was that Friday's game? That when, was Friday when Charlie yeah, yeah. threw that, that yep. yeah. Kimley came yep. and right. Everything there in the ninth was smooth inning.
2: sailing until that. Yeah. yeah. Um, the- you know, it was interesting. And I think Brian Snicker made a good point, which was that the shortened post or the shortened spring training probably affected the relievers the most because they were really not just able to get into a nice rhythm to start the season. And he actually said that, you know, because I think the Braves were able to hang on and win that game. It's probably a good thing for Kenley. Um, just like personally for like to get in and throw that many pitches is probably good for his arm, uh, at this stage in the season. So I know despite, despite the fact that it was ugly and it will not help him on the, on his stat sheet, um, you know, it may be a good thing. And he's certainly the type of pitcher who will get into these kinds of jams.
3: Yeah. Well, it's also one that, that you and I were talking about before we got on the podcast. Like it is something that has happened in his past. Like, he's a guy who's had some bigger blown saves or moments of people panicking when it comes to his blown saves. I, I'd seen a, a moment last July where he had three in five days, uh, which makes you go, oh, no, no. But then you pull up his baseball reference page and you see the fact that Kenley Jansen is number two amongst, amongst active closers with 350 saves. Uh, and he's got also got like what a I think it's eighty eight percent career save rate, yep. like it's just yep. insane. Which you then flip that over to last year's closer for the Braves, Will Smith, a guy who does not have near the saves that Kenley Jansen has, and has not done it at near a rate that Kenley mm-hmm. Jansen has, where he's in the seventy seven percent of career or seventy three percent, excuse me, save rate. Uh so no need to panic, Braves fans. You know, it's one of those 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 moments happen. I'm I'm sure Brian Snicker and this is this is one of those moments that I saw and I just kind of laughed at cuz it's like, yeah, I'm not panicking. Um but also understanding this is the biggest risk when you gave Kimley Jansen 16 million dollars is some guys fall off a cliff. And so hopefully we didn't just pay 16 million to watch <laughs> Kenley Jansen do that. I don't think so. Uh, but yeah. it, it is uh, amongst the the long list of things we've talked about, you know, you need to keep an eye on is just not overreacting to Kenley Jansen's first save uh, and realize that, you know, things happen and it's a, it's a long season. So I think we'll be fine. Yeah, for sure. Um,
2: one guy, I've, I think we missed him when we were talking about the highlights, but I, we really should uh, point it out because I think it is going to be not only was it one of the most important points over the course of the weekend, but I think when you look at, towards the season, this is going to be incredibly important. And that was the performance of Spencer Strider out of the bullpen. Yeah. Um, was it? Uh, yeah, it was on opening day night, mm-hmm. um, five coming in coming in to relieve Freed, five strikeouts in two innings, and just looked utterly dominant. Um, you know, maybe. Some of that is down to the fact that the Reds don't have, you know, the bet, you know, they don't have tape on him. Maybe they weren't anticipating him coming out of the bullpen with the kind of stuff that he had. But my God, I mean, like, if you can throw like that, th- this is the way I described it on Andy and Randy. He proved himself to be a weapon. Like he can be yeah. an effective. He gets outs. Like his stuff absolutely plays at the highest level. Um, and if that's the case, then the Braves will find a role for him to use that weapon for Brian Snicker to be able to use him, whether that's as a reliever, whether that's as a starter, whether that's as a opener type, I don't know what it's going to end up being over the course of the season. Maybe it'll be various things, but all I know is that this guy is going to help the Atlanta Braves.
3: Well, look, Joe, this, like, this is a guy that we had talked about multiple times, a guy that I've been very high on. And then I kind of went through the whole expectations of like, oh, okay, maybe he starts out the year in Gwinnett. Uh, because of what they're doing otherwise. Because it look when you look at this bullpen as a whole, you're like, I mean, they're pretty set without a guy like Spencer Strider, and they'd be just fine, in my opinion. They'd be very talented. And so you see why this guy has been kind of rushed along so quickly mm-hmm. through the majors. I mean, the, like... Pitched at every yeah. level last year. Yeah, we, we say, like, he was drafted in 2020. <laughs> uh, I mean, he is... Joe, he is three weeks ago, uh, helping a friend of my friend move boxes as he's moving out of his apartment in Knoxville, Tennessee, (laughs) where Spencer Strider and some of his buddies train up in Knoxville. And like that, I mean, that's just, it's one of those that shows his youth. Like this is a really young guy, a guy who is, is used to riding buses and, and doing all of the minor league type stuff and yet because he's so good he's been put on the stage and in his first opportunity was lights out and that's i mean when you got a guy who can throw triple digits and can locate it and mm-hmm. that's that's been his biggest thing is like his little you have to be concerned about which is anybody who's throwing that fast you want to make sure that they can locate their pitches and they don't end up you know end up with walks or you don't end up leaving the ball over the plate and you know, guys launching it into the stands, right. um, it, it's just makes me happy because I'm like, yeah, okay, here we go with another weapon that that the Braves are going to get to use this year. That's going to help them. When you watch teams like the Dodgers have all of these little pieces, have the Dustin Mays, have the, um, oh, what's his name? I can't think of his name right now. Um, that that started. It was an opener for the Dodgers last year that similar as far as throwing as hard as Spencer Strider is doing. Uh, but it's just um, adding one more piece that is going to make this yeah. team that much better. Yeah. It seems
2: like, I mean, I'm not a draft guru or uh, follow the minor leagues too closely. I more just like listen to other people who know what they're talking about to get sure. my information yeah. on it. But it certainly seems like the Braves have drafted damn well over the last few years. Um some of these pitchers that are coming through are really good. Bryce Elder as another guy to keep an eye on, yeah. who I think was drafted and was he? I think it was in the same draft in 2020, um, and he's going to be pitching in AAA this year. And that guy is also potentially a lights out starter. I was about
3: to say he he had the last start of spring against the Rays and had an incredible start uh, yeah. last week that that made me kind of because you know that's essentially kind of like a throw I don't know a throwaway game is as. as um, they weren't having any starters or any real like troop Braves pitchers pitching mm-hmm. that one. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then to see Bryce elder go and I was kind of like, Oh, okay. He is. I
2: know he's, I know Bryce elder just strikes out a ridiculous amount of players too uh, in the minors. So um, yeah, just kudos to the Braves. It's can be tricky to integrate young pitchers into like a team at the, of the Braves level, you know, a team that's competing for a championship because You know, they're so up and down, they're so hot and cold. But if these guys, especially Strider, who's obviously already, you know, getting his feet wet uh, at the majors level, um, man, if they can maintain any level of consistency, it would be a great sign. And could follow in the footsteps of Max Fried. I've been saying this for a long time, but Max Fried pretty much started out, you know, as a bullpen guy um, and eventually kind of moved himself into a starting role. If you can use them out of the bullpen as a way to – you know, ramp them up in terms of their innings and their usage in in their career uh, and then kind of pivot them more towards a a starting role in a couple years' time, then, man, it it could be a great path for guys like Strider and and Elder. We'll see what happens with Elder, but even just to see what we've seen already from Strider is fantastic.
3: Absolutely. Well, so the Braves, 2-2 and through the first series. They're about to start a series tonight against the Washington Nationals, uh, and then we'll move on to the Padres Got to
2: win this one against the Nationals, right? Got to got to take two out of three. This, uh, I mean, this Nationals so. team is this Nationals team is there for the taking, yeah. Especially at home before you go out on this road trip. Oh, and by the way, something else that Charlie said about this road—he said he's like really looking forward to this road trip, uh, because this was like in relation to all the celebrations and stuff. I thought that was really interesting. Like he actually wants to kind of like get away, you know? Like it's almost like sure. a way for like this team to, like disconnect a little bit after having all these. Again, yeah, the celebrations and all that, which I thought was interesting. And I think it will be good for the team. You know, you get a little bonding trip as well when you go
3: out on the road like that to the West Coast for a while. So, yeah, it's exciting times. Absolutely. Uh, and exciting times, to, uh, especially if people are going to be at the ballpark tonight, um, giving out rings. I'm trying to wrap this podcast up so i can go yeah. get one you know like, like hey let me be honest Joe. i'm ready to go get one you how know? about you shut the hell
2: up so yeah. i can go yeah I'm,
3: I'm ready to have one on my shelf to go with the uh with the 95 uh, let's but, do it but in all seriousness like an exciting time for the braves um as as we have plenty to look forward to uh and and i think this week's games and i know we'll probably say this more than once like this week's games proved to be some really like interesting i'm curious to see how the braves early match up against um especially like the padres and the dodgers teams mm-hmm. that are yeah. expected to be really uh competing in the national league um, That'll be that, fun series yeah th- that we'll get to see uh anything you want to add joe before we get out of here
2: no let's let's do it let's let's get out of here as quickly as we can
3: so we can go get our rings all right well thanks everybody for listening in for joe patrick i'm caleb johnson thanks for listening to batter up